an alpha male conversation with Colonel Ange in the Western New York Theater of Operations and our good friend Mick the Brit from the European Theater of Operations on today's Bold Alpha. Bold Alpha is presented by the new Camacho Nicaragua, forged in fire with full frontal flavor. Camacho, live loud, available at DavidoffGeneva.com. By Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the Gurkha Nicaraguan series, 100% pure Nicaraguan tobaccos, 100% full-bodied flavor. GurkhaCigars.com. And by The New World from A.J. Fernandez, draped in a bold, dark Nicaraguan wrapper and jam-packed with ultra-flavorful Nicaraguan fillers, the box press New World Oscuro delivers medium to full-bodied, elegant taste. AJFCigars.com. It is the general... Alpha Dave, your alpha male-in-chief, we welcome you to Bold Alpha, your alpha male lifestyle conversational maneuver destination, along with alpha male-related commentary, unabashed commentary, I might add. It is a magnificent day. We're in the pooch pit in the Western New York Theater of Operations, classified locations, surrounded by massive amounts of grills and smokers, including a smoke vault that is holding about a 10-pound brisket from what Colonel Ange tells me. All I know is the aroma is wafting all around us. Colonel Ange, welcome to Bold Alpha. It's a pleasure to be here, General. I love the new format. Yes, indeed. Our new podcast as we enter our next 25 years of broadcast <laughs> uh, and podcast maneuvers. Yeah. And, of course, joining us from the European Theater of Operations in Winston Churchill's old World War II bunker, we have Mick the Brit, the gecko. Greetings, Mick. Greetings, General, from London in the summertime. The similar weather to what you're experiencing right now, by the sounds of it. Well, uh, I know, Mick, that most of the time it's rainy and dreary and grey oh. in London town, but you're actually getting oh. summer. Congratulations. We've got, we've got some heat. We're almost up to Florida temperatures here in London. Uh, but you don't have the Florida humidity, that I can tell you. And it is delightful. We're here in the pooch pit outside uh, on the uh, patio, and there is no humidity today. It's got to be, Colonel Ange, about 77, you think, 78? Yeah, just about. Pleasant. I'm not schwitzing no. like outside in Florida, even though I'm used to it. You know, you sit out five, ten minutes, you know, you're you're drenched. Not here. It is very pleasant. and it's, Chamber of Commerce Day. It's beautiful. Blue skies, <laughs> and it's great to be amongst nature. The birds are chirping. We've got uh, the flora and fauna. And again, for you betas, look it up if you don't know what flora and fauna <laughs> means. But for those of you that are alphas, you know exactly what I am talking about. All right, make the Brit. So uh, tell us, what's going on in the European Theater of Operations? Uh, you enjoying some fine quality steaks, some fine cigars, some fine, well, fine libations. Oh. I know you're enjoying libations. <laughs> Yeah, I can do two out of three there, General. Uh, the libations and the steak, but uh, no cigars, I'm afraid. My Why no cigars? Has, well, my supply has dried up, and uh, I've not been able to get to the cigar merchant there in London because I've effectively gone into uh, a self-imposed lockdown. Um, I've got no reason to be up in the city of London, so I'm here at my suburban residential uh uh, place abode and uh, just uh, chilling out here uh, until well the end of uh, end of august beginning of september okay mick now you are in yeah. winston churchill's world war ii bunker i want you you're i know where you're sitting right now look to the left about 10 feet pull up the rug there's a hidden compartment in the floor an escape hatch churchill my understanding is 
hid massive amounts of fine cigars in that escape hatch. Open it up and see if you find something. Okay. Uh, hold on. One moment. We're standing by, Mick. Hold on. Oh. Oh. I'm struggling to get it open here, General. Well, Mick, if you were above five foot one, you'd be able to get that open, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> get a stool, Mick. Well, that is the problem there. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, um, but 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 that's the situation. And it, you know, with this, uh, did you find cigars in there? Well, there's some boxes here. I've not looked opened them yet. Um, so I will. Well, uh, maybe you'll look out, Mick. But by the way, do, are the are the retailers not allowed to uh, pick up? What is that? Oh, what do we have? Oh, Colonel Ange, wait a minute. It's not is, is, is that the World War II? I think that's uh, that's uh, Winston Churchill from London about to call and make a speech. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> is, now, Mick, can the retailers yeah. ship to you in the mail as like they can here in the United States? Or is that prohibited? Yes. Yes, no, domestically they can. But if So what you are you waiting to... for, Mick? You go online or you call your favorite cigar merchant and tell them to ship you some sticks. Yeah, uh, I might. Yeah, but that's if they're there at the store to ship them out, General. I mean, central London. I, I, it, no word of a lie. Central London is a ghost town at the moment. Really? Yes. It's incredible. Now, I, I just read something, Mick, where now there is, there is I think, a law, emergency law passed where the British government can go in to private residences or private uh, privately owned commercial buildings and if they feel that there is a coronavirus Chinese Wuhan virus outbreak they can come in and they can demolish the building oh I don't know about demolishing the building I just I just I mean, read it, Mick. what are you talking about I just read yeah, about that but, yeah I'm, I'm you know in the words of Donald Trump fake news fake news no it's not fake uh, news Mick it is not fake no, news. they Mick. wouldn't demolish a building general they might send in the deep cleaners in the hazmat suits but they wouldn't Demolish it, it, but the law allows them to uh, destroy the property, is my understanding. And I'm looking, I think I saw it on Breitbart.com uh, uh, or right. Drudge.com. Okay. I'm looking around, but I believe that is the case, Mick. Yeah. No, interesting, General. And uh, today, uh, uh, I know you uh, go on the site, the uh, Mail Online, the Daily Mail, which is a national newspaper yes. here. And uh, today they were talking about the, the figures, how they uh, um, measured the, the people that have actually died from the Chinese Wuhan virus. And they really screwed up, actually, here, uh, General, uh, I think it's called um, National Health or General Health England, uh, how they put the statistics together on a daily basis. Because effectively, you could uh, get, um, you'd be taken, you could have got run down by a bus. You're in hospital. They test you for COVID, and they'll say, "Oh, he died of COVID." Right. Not well, we're the seeing that from in the, the United States too, and there's yeah, a reason yeah. because many of the hospitals, if a patient tests positive for the Chinese, let's not call it COVID. That's bullshit. It's the well, Chinese sorry, General, Communist I'm, Party Wuhan virus. Yes, yeah, no, you're let's absolutely right. Let's get that right. straight. Okay, this COVID yes, is a politically correct, created name, so that the Chinese Communist government isn't offended. Well, fuck that. It's the yeah, exactly. Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus. We call it what it is here at Bold Alpha. 
And now that I have the freedom to say whatever the hell I want, it's a beautiful thing. I just noticed that. His eyes just opened up when I when I used some, yeah. uh, as and mine. General George S. Patton would say, some eloquent profanity. Colonel Ange, you know, kind of uh, raised up right. in his seat about six inches. Wondering where the yeah, uh, yeah, mute button was. But you don't need that anymore. There is no mute button. Yeah, no I, am, I cannot be Sergeant muted Steve. in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but what we're seeing now is hospitals that categorize a patient with the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus, or the CCP Wuhan virus for short, they get a higher reimbursement from the insurance companies, from Medicare, from Medicaid, and if a patient goes on a ventilator, they get another 30 grand. So there is no doubt in my mind, and I firmly believe this, that there is every incentive for hospitals now who have taken the brunt because elective surgeries have had to been canceled, they have lost money, there is an incentive for them to now say, okay, yeah, they came in because they were hit by a bus, but they tested positive. Therefore, our reimbursement rate is going to get higher. So we have to watch that. And in Florida, perfect example, Mick, somebody on a motorcycle was hit, was killed, unfortunately. When they did the autopsy, they tested positive for the CCP Wuhan virus. Their death was listed on the death certificate as the Wuhan virus. Sorry. It was yeah. because they were hit by another vehicle. But we're seeing sure. that now. Yeah, yeah, and it's the same here, General. Um, there's a change in the subject. There's another um, scandal that is really, and, and it's only because it's August and nobody's at work, the civil servants are at work, Parliament's in recess, so nobody's really picking up on it. And August is known in the, in the printed media as the silly season because everybody goes on holiday and they do, or vacation, and they do in Europe as well. So you, generally speaking, if you went to Paris or uh, London, in, in, in August, it would be pretty quiet compared with the rest of the year. What I'm saying is this, is that we are now from France. There are now people, illegal immigrants, right? Let's get this bit straight. They're illegal immigrants because they're actually coming over, being trafficked over on dinghies. They're landing here. And then what happens is the government have actually paid this company called Serco, who have many thumbs in many pies, and they've actually, they're paying them, the government, to pick them up, put them up in hotels, uh, whilst they're waiting to be processed to become uh, asylum seekers. And this is happening on a daily basis. And this, the government are just pay, paying, something estimated, like £4 billion. And it's a license to print money for these uh, companies, or yeah, these companies that will um, sort of work with the government to do these things. Um, it might, obviously, it's possibly you might have a different situation, but it's like a private-public sort of partnership where the government will just pay somebody money to deal with their problems, and that's it. It's a scandal, General. People are actually turning up here in dinghies. Landing on the beaches here of England and then being ferreted away and put up in three and four star hotels at the taxpayer's expense. Right. And if I'm a taxpayer, listen, I'm all for legal immigration, controlled legal immigration, give people yes. the opportunity to come in on a merit based system into the United States, but also to assimilate. And part of the problem we're seeing, not just in the United States, but in Europe and other countries around the world, is that the Immigrants that come in, many of the illegal aliens, illegal immigrants that come in, do not want to assimilate. There are parts of London, you can tell me this, Mick, you know this, and in England that are no-go zones that police are afraid to go into, where it's, it's like uh, it's, it's little Riyadh. 
And my well, feeling it's is, kind if you come of, to a country, sure, yeah. if I were yeah. to come to it, Britain, it, Mick, which will never, I mean, if I wanted to immigrate to Britain, which would never happen because I'm a red, white, and blue patriotic American, and let's face it, Mick, we kicked your asses in 1776. It was not a fair fight. I mean, your redcoats got hammered. Let's just call it what it was. <laughs> Bad camouflage, General. That's what I'll be <laughs> Yeah, the, red camouflage. That's beautiful. Yeah. Again, Mick, now you know why we had to go win World War II for you. All you have to do is go look at 1776. The redcoats are coming. Here they are. You can't miss them. Yeah. And I know that, Mick, that, that's a little, that's stuck in your craw, since, uh, you know, a lot of Brits are very sensitive to that. I understand that. That's all right, General. But if I were to immigrate to England, become a citizen, I would then feel, look, if I'm immigrating, I need to learn to be, learn the British customs, the British holidays, the pomp and circumstance. You blend in. When my grandparents came from Egypt uh, in the early 1960s, late 50s, early 60s, when they came from Russian Poland in the uh, early 1900s, they wanted to become American. They wanted to learn the customs. They wanted to learn the language. And the problem today is we see so many of these immigrants, many of them illegal, coming in saying, no, you adjust to us, and that's bullshit. Why on earth do we need vote uh, uh, ballots printed in yeah. 45 languages. There should be no, one, you're... English. Colonel Lange, your thoughts? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I agree. I mean, again, you know that my family, uh, before 1919, my grandfather came to this country, and, right. and every one of them did their very best to assimilate. In fact, you know, the, even uh, the language wasn't passed down uh, to all the children. They wanted everybody to learn English and to speak English. Yes, and I know that uh, Captain Paul, when my mother went to speak uh, Italian... The Captain Paul, he looked and said, what did you say? <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. But you know a little Italian, don't you? Yeah, Lange? sure. No, I yeah. know. And I, well, I know for sure when somebody's mad at me because that punch I picked up when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but again, but you general, know, they, they frowned on from what I understand. At, uh, at the table. Sure. They frowned on using uh, uh, Italian. Uh, you know, uh, my father would say all the time, listen, we're Americans. We're not Italians, okay? We're proud of our heritage. Proud right. of our heritage. But this is where we live now. This is our country. You know, I, I, right, I never hear people say, I'm Italian-American, I'm Russian-American, I'm <laughs> Jewish-American, I'm Polish-American. They say I'm American, of Polish descent, mm-hmm. or of Russian descent, or of Greek descent. That's very different today, where people come in saying, no, you should accommodate me. I mean, there's a, a main street in North Buffalo, Hurdle Avenue, and there's a big influx of Somali immigrants. Okay, fine. But yet... You've got half the signs that are in uh, Arabic. Now, when my grandparents came here, they were in the wallpaper and paint business. This sign was in English. There was no <laughs> Yiddish on, on, the, on the sign, okay? No. That was it. No. And, and it is amazing today. And I know people say, oh, that's, you're not being politically correct. Well, screw that. I'm not politically correct. And my feeling is if you left, whether it's Somalia, whether it's Ethiopia, whether it is uh, Saudi Arabia or Mexico, name the country, and you come to the United States, you should come here saying, I want to become an American, I want to learn the language, and I want to pick up the customs of America. Period. End of discussion. Same thing if you move to Britain, Mick. Indeed, General. And, and going back to America and how America started, um, if you, you know, uh, and Colonel Andrew, I can say this to you, but, you know, the, the, the film The Godfather, you know, when everyone, people were turning up, uh, Vito turned up from Corleone, and there he is at Ellis Island. But people, by the boatloads, were coming in there, and they all had something to bring to the table. Now, 
We've got people turning up in the USA and the UK. We're like the USA of Europe, if you like. But coming here or coming to the USA, they're not there to contribute. They're not a maker. They're a taker. And that doesn't bode well. I agree with you. There are makers and there are takers. And look, there are many immigrants that come to this country. They learn the language. They want to be American. They're hardworking. God bless them. That's what I say. Everybody in the United States gets a fair... And I really believe that. We hear people say, oh, there's systemic racism. That is another myth that is perpetuated along with voter suppression and... uh, um, What's the other? Oh, climate change. If you tell a lie often enough, people believe yeah. it to be the truth. Voter suppression is another example of a contrived term that is total fabricated horseshit. Any way you look at it, nobody is restricted from voting because somebody has to present an ID. That's voter suppression. Again, what the real reason is why the Democrats want to, to perpetuate the term voter suppression is so they can get dead people, dogs, cats to vote. <laughs> Everybody vote by mail. You don't check the voter rolls. I'm sorry. You show ID. If somebody wants to get on government aid, Medicare, Medicaid, whether they uh, want a license, get on an airplane, you have to show ID. Showing ID is in no way, shape, or form Jim Crow laws. It's not voter suppression. It's a lot of absolute nonsense. But again, if you tell a lie often enough, that's what Joseph Goebbels, who is the Nazi... Uh, Minister of Propaganda and Enlightenment, he said it very clearly. Tell a lie often enough, and people will believe it to be the truth. So climate change, we hear that all the time. Voter suppression, now it's systemic racism. That's nonsense. Every kid can go to school. There's nothing that says, hey, you know what? Because you're black, you can't get an education. Because you're black or you're Asian, you can't go and and, uh, go to college and Go into a chosen profession? That's nonsense. Are there racists? Are there anti-Semites in every country in the world? Yes. That does not make a nation anti-Semitic or racist because there's a very ultra-small minority that are small-minded. Period. Exactly, General. And uh, let's, I mean, I don't think I've spoken uh, with you uh, on the Cigar... Oh, maybe I have on the uh, Cigar Dave show when we was going out on the radio. Um, but what I noticed, when this, this uh, Wuhan Chinese CC... Uh, CCP Chinese, Wuhan uh, virus, Mick. That's it. Yeah, when that when that started, there was a lot more unity. There was a lot more togetherness. There was a lot more local community spirit. And yet, with this Black Lives Matter, because what's happened in America has been reflected back here as well. It's the old adage, General: um, divide and rule. It's not any, you know, it's not in anyone's interest, unfortunately, for unity. And I'm about unity. I'm not about diversity. I mean, have you noticed it's almost got the I same number of letters in it as divide? I'm not about division. I'm about unity. Well, and I'm sick of hearing just, this bullshit that we have to yeah. celebrate our diversity. No, we celebrate no. that we're all American. We can have different backgrounds, but we are sure. all American. We should all be on the same team. And what I, I really... When you look at the Black Lives Matter movement, I I differentiate it in two categories. There is the concept Black Lives Matter, where every life matters. Everybody, I don't believe anybody should be discriminated against. Colonel Ange, listen, Italians, Jews, Poles, Irish, Greeks, they were all discriminated against at one time or another, but they didn't let it hinder them. They used it as motivation to become successful and, and overcome that racism. And now we're a different country. But then there's also the Black Lives Matter movement 
There's the concept, but the movement, which is controlled and, and started by three absolute socialist Marxists that hate America. They want to destroy America. They want to destroy our social fabric. They want to destroy the government. They want to destroy capitalism. I'm sorry. Black Lives Matter, the actual, not the concept, but the movement, the political movement, I have big problems with. Colonel Ange? Well, yeah, again, it's difficult when you when you put it, it you try and you put it in terms that affects everybody. Yes, you mentioned it. You named every ethnic group. And I live in a city where every one of those that you just mentioned came from at one at a time. And every one of them was discriminated against. Absolutely. Every one of them. I mean, I remember it as a child. Now, you usually grew up in neighborhoods with people of uh, your, your same ancestry like I did. But if you, you know, ventured out and you went from, uh, say, the Italian neighborhood to the German neighborhood, the German, neighbor, the German neighbors may have something disparaging to say about the Italians. Maybe the Italians did, too, the other way. I'm just saying that, yeah. It's something that, why did you come here in the first place, right? We came here for a better life. We came here, uh, poor immigrants. People, didn't, people with a lot of money didn't just get up one day and say, you know what, I don't like it here. I don't like living in my, my villa. I want to go someplace else where people are, are going to discriminate against me. No. You came here and you did it for a reason. And again, I, it was pounded into me as a child. You're an American. You learn. You assimilate. Listen, we all kept our our heritage, we, 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 we kept what's important to us. We did celebrate our holidays and, and our ways, but we also marched on the 4th of July. Right. You know, Red, mean, white, and blue, everybody was proud, yep. and we were all on the same team. And over the last, I think, 20, 25 years, we've started to see a change, a shift, that we have many people now in this country, primarily the ultra-liberals, the Marxists, that believe America is evil from the outset, the system must be destroyed, that we're colonial power. Here's my question. Why is it, if America is so bad and so evil and so discriminatory, why is it that there are millions of people around the world that, number one, want to come in legally, and number two, willing to risk their lives to come in illegally if we're such a bad country? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, why, why in God's name are you fleeing your own country? If it's so important for you to keep everything that you have, including every cultural aspect, your language, uh, everything did you even bother to move well you, you left for a reason didn't you and you came here for a reason didn't you so in my mind you came here great listen i'm italian american dis, uh, uh, descent but i'm not an italian american i don't run around uh telling people that i'm an italian american and i'm different from you because your heritage is different from mine listen we're brothers we are all in one country for one reason, one reason only, to make this a better place for all of us and stop trying to, 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 to segment this, this country, put it into little boxes and pieces and saying that we're all independent somehow from one another. You won't, we won't survive. I'm telling you, we won't survive. Now let's continue with Mick the Brit from the London Theater of Operations and Colonel Ange here in the Pooch Pit in the Western New York Theater of Operations. Mick, what libation do you have? Because I've just broken out a bottle of a uh, craft art artisanal libation that we're going to enjoy. What do you have in your snifter right now, Mick? Well, actually, General, it's a, a bottle of beer, and it, I believe it can be purchased there in the good old U.S. and A. Um, it is Fuller's London Pride. What's original owl. Uh, London Pride. Thank you. London Pride. And, 
and it's from the <laughs> Fuller's Brewery there is in Is that Chiswick. a rainbow liquor? Yeah, is that a, I was going to say, Mick, London Pride. I mean, uh, listen, I'm not discriminatory. What you no, do in no, your own no, bedroom the, the is label's your own red. It's not, it's, it's not got the rainbow on it. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's got a red label on it. And uh, it's there down there at Chiswick, right next to the River Thames, which is the obviously the water source. Because most oh, the water, are, the water source. Yes, the, the that yes, would be yes, water my or tea. water. Yes, yes. Water, water. Water. What about water? Water. water. Yeah. Uh, that's the same as water, correct? <laughs> With water. a D, are you saying, yeah. No, water. 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 With a T, yeah, not yeah, water. 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 See, you're, you're spelling it W-O-T-A-H. No, water. no, no. Water. Yeah. Water. Well. Water. Yeah. Water. Fabulous. Yeah. Well, we have just <laughs> yes. pulled out a bottle. I've just pulled out a bottle of John Meyer Small Batch Estate-Grown Wheat Whiskey. 90 proof, 45% alcohol by volume. Tell you the story about this, that I'm in the upper, uh, Western New York Theater of Operations. Cigar Mother sent me to one of the fine wine and spirit stores and said, I need some Pinot Noir. Oh. When Puff Muff and Lori comes to visit and Exotem, they like Pinot Noir. Okay, so I pick up a few bottles, and then I happen to go down the aisle, and I'm in the mood for some fine port, a Graham 20-year-old tawny port. Pick that up, and then in the same aisle, I see some craft distilled beverages from New York State. And I happen to see this one bottle, John Meyer Wheat Whiskey. Here's the story. Handcrafted wheat whiskey features grains grown and harvested by John Meyer of Meyer Farm, distilled and bottled by Meyer Farm Distilleries in Ovid, New York, from field to flask. The batch is number three. The year was 2014. So I did a little bit of research, Mick. Meyer Family Distri- or Farm Distillers, Ovid, New York, is located on Cayuga Lake, one of the Finger Lakes in central New York. So if you were to take Interstate 90 and get off at the Geneva Lions uh, exit, you go down to Geneva, then you make a uh, go east to Waterloo, and then you head down towards Ovid, and they are right on Cayuga Lake. And uh, this particular spirit, this particular small batch wheat whiskey, grabbed my attention. It was about $35 suggested retail, did a little research, and it turns out that this actually won an award. So when I looked at it, I said, okay, well, let me give it a try. They've got vodka. Colonel Ange, you'd probably like their gin. They've got unaged whiskey, which is the white dog, uh, white lightning. But they have their John Meyer wheat whiskey. And it actually won an award, and wait a minute, here it is, at the 2020 American Craft Spirits Association Annual Craft Spirits Competition, it won the bronze medal in whiskey, and it also won some other medals as well. So it's won medals in various competitions. Now, the aroma on this, I'm getting almost a little maple, a little honey. What do you think, Colonel Ange? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know what? It's also a little bit floral. I mean, if you... Yeah, floral? Yeah. Yep. Now, wheat will tame things down. Now, I don't know what the exact composition of this is, but let me see if I can find it here. But as I do that, now, this particular whiskey, it says the year is 2004, so it's six years. So I'm going to, we'll say, Colonel Ange, we'll say cheers. Cheers. In our plastic tumblers. <laughs> On the patio. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. Got some major sizzle on the tongue. Yeah, it's got a heat factor for sure. Major heat. Mm. Let me take another sip here. Mm. I'm definitely getting a lot of corn. It almost tastes like a little bit of an unaged whiskey, but it says six years. 
You know, you can definitely tell. This is a rye whiskey. This is not a rye whiskey. It's this not. is a wheat whiskey. No. Oh, wow. This is a wheat whiskey. So the notes I'm getting, hmm. absolute core. Now, here's what's interesting. It says, think of this wheat whiskey as less sweet than a bourbon, but milder than the sweet sour spice of rye. Good grain, wood, char notes. Now, this is like a Highland type of scotch without the peat. Mm. That's what I would kind of uh, say. You know now, what? Yeah. It seems a little young to me. Yeah. Even well, though it, it says six years. Yeah. Fresh. But you're right. I mean, it is closer to a scotch. It really is. Yeah. Definitely. And again, I'm getting those corn notes. And I'm trying to see. Now, it says it's 100% organic wheat grown on the property. So this is 100% wheat, which surprises me because I'm getting a lot of corn notes, sweetness on here. Yeah, it's very sweet. Yeah. And again, you know, it's it's floral. I mean, it really opens up when you give it some time. Yeah, 1 to 10, what would you rate this, Colonel Andrew? I'd give it an 8. Yeah, I think this is to me is about a 6.5. Okay, no, I really like it. I mean, for a wheat whiskey. Yeah. Now, I, now there are many wheat whiskeys that are very that are very mellow, that have some wheat. Not 100% wheat, but it's got corn. It's got some uh, weed in there so it tames it down a little bit but overall it's a unique whiskey and this is the one thing i didn't know anything about it i did a little research online i said let me buy it for 35 bucks you can't go wrong let me give it a try it's got a unique story the fact that it is 100 percent from farm to flask the fact that it is 100 percent organic grown in new york state and we have seen a resurgence a renaissance of distilleries in new york because they have a law here that if you use, I believe, three-quarters, I think 75% or majority of the ingredients from New York State, yes, they, they have loosened the restrictions for distilleries. Yep. Uh, in fact, it's, it's blossomed like crazy. I mean, guys that are growing hops and, and uh, wheat, uh, especially destined for the distilleries, are, are doing a phenomenal job. And it's great. I think it's wonderful. Now, they also have their four-grain whiskey, which uh, it uses a mash bill of 47% corn, wheat, rye, and barley. Now, that would be an interesting one to, uh, to try as well. And they've also got their bourbon whiskey, which is 60% corn, and then wheat, rye, and barley in the mash. So that's a nice thing, I think, about uh, distil- uh, artisanal distilleries. Give it a try. Some you may like, some you may find. Eh, maybe needs a little bit more aging. One of my favorites down from Florida is the St. Augustine uh, bourbon whiskey that they have, which is very nice, and it uses a double barrel concept. They age it initially in a small barrel uh, because with the heat in Florida, you don't need a lot of aging in a barrel, and then they put it in a larger barrel, and it gives it a very unique finish. So, Mick, what is your favorite? I know you being over in the U.K., Scotch whiskey yeah. amply available. Sure. What do you enjoy? Well, generally speaking, my go-to uh, whiskey, uh, just just as a... Something to have of an evening would be uh, Grant's, which is Grant's. not a you can't Grant. listen. I like William H. Grant. I, I to me, one of my favorites is uh, Balvini. Love oh, Balvini. Yes. The Caribbean yeah. cask can't go wrong. Sure. No, you, very, no, very you're nice. absolutely right, General. So yeah, no, my at the moment Grant's is my uh, or Grant's as you would say is my uh, one to go for. But recently, General, and um, I want to share this with you during this uh, pubs. Uh, recently been allowed to be open open up again uh in the last three weeks i think and we have a micro pub in my local high street here in rural suburban southeast london and in the county of kent 
Now, Kent, you might re- well, it's equivalent to a state in the USA. So, you know, we, we, call, we call them counties, but you would refer to it as a state. And Kent is known as the Garden of England. And uh, where I am is, is about 10 miles from Biggin Hill, where the RAF shoved it up the Luftwaffe over the English Channel, as you might remember. But this shoved it right local... up those crowd asses. Yes. Wait till there you, you see that. I know and, somebody's uh, going to say, oh, you said crowd. Well, we're doing it in the terms uh, of on, World War get, II, yeah, which is, on, which is acceptable. On. Now, Colonel Ange, yes. we've got a beautiful accompaniment here that I'm just putting into the glass. It looks like a, li- a lovely garnish here. And why don't you describe what I have in my hot little hand here? Uh, the, uh, the name on the street is called pig candy. What you do is take mm. thick cut bacon, okay, and you marinate it in uh, pure maple syrup, not Aunt Jemima. And you... By the way, Aunt Jemima, I fully endorse. Aunt Jemima is a... Now, I like pure maple syrup. That's right. It's, you know, uh, corn syrup and fake, you name it. It's got all sorts of chazarai in there. However, I know of no person, whether they're white or black, that said, Aunt Jemima, that's racist. Everybody I know says, Aunt Jemima, the picture that's on the maple syrup bottle, she looks like the kind of person you'd want to have breakfast with. (laughs) You want to have hope that she's making your breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, the great smile and yeah. the original Aunt Jemima, their family is very upset that that they're discontinuing the brand. Again, this woke corporatism is ridiculous. It's overboard. Now, maple syrup with this bacon. Maple syrup, brown sugar, uh-huh. and cay- cayenne pepper. I'm getting a little kick at yeah, the end Yeah, there's the kick at the now, end. here's what, what I'm, I'm doing. I'm dipping it. Yep, makes a great garnish for a drink. In my whiskey. Okay. Now I'm going to taste it. Oh, man, you get a really unique taste on that. You really do. It's great. It's a great garnish. Uh, when I make it up, it's in the smoker. It takes about two hours to do it. And then uh, you can use it as a garnish. Uh, have it in a Bloody Mary. You can have it with your whiskey. The other thing is that it's great. You can put it in um, uh, in coleslaw. for uh, Really? Oh, yeah. And also, it's great on a burger. You're going to do a burger? Right? Absolutely. Put these on top. I'll tell you. Private G loves it. I make it by the batch. In fact, I got to hide it in the fridge because he'll just take the whole package out and finish it. But it really is a great way to go. It's two hours. It's low maintenance. Honestly, you can do it in your oven too. But you're gonna you can get the hint of smoke. I smoke that with uh, applewood. All right. Let's get the now. Tell us the process. You take the thick sliced bacon. Yes. Take the thick. Put sli- it on a pan. Uh, put it in a. I usually take an aluminum disposable pan. Okay. And you start with uh, layer. T- put a first layer down. You take pure maple syrup and use a brush and you brush the maple syrup. I mix about a quarter cup of brown sugar to about a tablespoon of cayenne pepper. Take a fork, mix that up so it's all spread through. Then you take and sprinkle that on top of that first layer. Lay another layer of the bacon on top, same process, same uh, maple syrup, the sugar. Let that sit. If you can let it sit overnight, great. But even if you let it sit for about an hour, that's fine. Then you take it out, you put it on a rack, sprinkle whatever leftover brown sugar you have, uh, maybe drizzle a little bit more maple syrup, put it in the smoker. I would use a fruit wood. I would use apple. I would use cherry. I would use even pecan. And put it in the smoker around 250 for about two hours. Get it out of there before it really gets a bark on it. You really don't want it black. 
and let it cool, and this is what you have. And it makes a great snack all by itself. Like you say, it's great with a cocktail, on a burger, and a salad. It's, it's a wonderful treat. This is the snack for alphas. Really there is. is no doubt about it. This is, and it's, it's sweet, but then about 20 seconds later after you're finished with the bite, you get that sizzle. Yeah, that's it. It's a delayed reaction. Yeah. And it comes right on the tip of the tongue and in the back of the throat, but it is absolutely delicious. How did you discover this, or did you just come up with it? There was somebody that was making it. I didn't like the way that they were making it, so I just kind of changed a, a couple of things. Uh, a little bit more sugar and, uh, and again, pure maple syrup instead of just, you know, the corn syrup stuff. And uh, I've been doing this now for years. In fact, it's a uh, regularly on the menu when I have uh, some sort of... A, the Memorial Day at the uh, Bolani uh, residence, I mean, that's always there. It's always there in the morning. Bloody Marys, a little bit of maybe whiskey and some of these. People love it. And it's a staple now in our house. And, again, it's low meat and it's easy to do. Honestly, you can do it in your oven. You're going to miss the smoke, but do the same thing that I just did. Put it on a uh, cookie sheet on, over a pan. Put it in the oven at uh, 225 for about two hours. You'll get everything but the smoke, but you'll still have something really great, especially if you're doing burgers. These are great on burgers. Magnificent. The recipe for Colonel Ange's candied maple bacon will be posted at boldalpha.com and all of our social media sites. Gurkha Cigars has always been known for exquisite cigars, impeccable packaging, and Gurkha launched last summer the Gurkha Nicaragua series, their first ever Nicaraguan Puro. It uses an all-Nicaraguan tobacco blend. Top to bottom, a Corojo 99 wrapper over dual Corojo 99 binders and a Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 filler. What does that mean? You get medium to full-bodied taste, nice peppery notes, spicy finish. It is the Gurkha Nicaraguan Series, 100% Nicaraguan Puro, 100% full-bodied flavor. Give the Gurkha Nicaraguan Series a try. Check out the entire Gurkha line at GurkhaCigars.com. Colonel Ange, Mick the Brit, rejoins us from the Pooch Pit, Western New York Theater of Operations. Mick is in the London Theater of Operations. That maple bacon, that candied maple bacon, people are going to be able to get that recipe. They're going to go crazy over that. And it is, you know, Labor Day is before you know it. We're talking a month away. But this is the kind of thing, this is better than beef jerky because beef jerky destroys your 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 teeth. This is great. It's soft. It's tasty. You can't go wrong. Put this uh, in a little pouch and carry it. You can even cut it in little squares. And carry it with you. It's a great, uh, great to have for munitions in your in your uh, briefcase or in your uh, lunchbox, your lunch pail. Big hit at lunchtime. Uh, no doubt about Just it. Just be sure to remind everybody about the heat that comes at the end. Now, uh, Mick, I know that one of the big British uh, specialties that uh, Boris Johnson has talked about <laughs> is something that I personally never in a million years would have zero interest in tasting or eating. But why don't you tell everyone why it's such a great British specialty? I'll let you, I'll, I'll give it to you. You can, you can talk about it. You know what I'm now, talking I've, about. I've got to guess what you're talking about here. Now, it's what either going to be one of two things. It's either going to be haggis from Scotland. Yes, haggis. Right. Well, that's haggis. Scotland. That's not, in, that's not English. Well, it's that's the Scotland. UK, Mick. 
Mick. It's no, 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 no. Scotland is very much their their own nation. Oh, yes, fact, you're right. Like, That's correct. Not part of the UK. Well, but wait a minute. But well, they, but, they are. They are. But, but they, they want are, but, independence. Yeah. Right. But, Sorry. But but, but <laughs> Boris Johnson, when Vice President Mike Pence was over, got to be a year ago, maybe earlier this year, talking to Boris Johnson, he said, "Well, you know, we'd love to have trade in." including the American people being able to enjoy our wonderful haggis and our shower trays. Now, yes. I don't know any of you American that says, <laughs> I really have to have some of that British haggis and those British yeah. shower trays. I know of yeah. no American that has said, I'm losing sleep because I cannot get a British shower tray or haggis. Yeah. Mick, tell yeah. us what haggis is. It is thoroughly revolting. Well, yeah, and really you'd be better off talking to a Scotsman about this because they could give you the... But basically, General, it is the... Uh, the the entrails and the bits that you would normally throw away from a sheep, and it is cooked in a, a sheep's uh, stomach, and um, you know they let nothing go to waste. It's very savoury, and they probably put some spices and bits and pieces in it, but it's very savoury. And um, yes, I've had it with. Uh, you'd normally have it uh, traditionally with potatoes and parsnips. Well, here is the definition of haggis. That I have discovered a savory pudding containing sheep's pluck, heart, liver, and lungs, yeah. minced with onion, oatmeal, suet, spices, and salt, mixed with stock, and cooked while traditionally encased in the animal's stomach, though now often in an artificial casing instead. Uh, they, it says, according to La Russe Gastronomique, although its description is not immediately appealing, haggis has an excellent nutty texture and delicious savory flavor. I'm trying to really cut back on a sheep heart, liver, and lungs in my diet. <laughs> Actually, I've never had any of those, nor will I have it. But it, it the name ha, uh, haggis or haggis was first recorded haggis. in England in 1430, a, a dish originally of Scottish origin. It is even the national dish as a result of Scott's, Scott poet's Robert Burns' poem, Addressed to Haggis, to a haggis yes. of 1787. Haggis is traditionally served with neeps and tatties, Boiled and mashed separately, and a dram of whiskey, and as the main course of a Burns supper. Mick, I think I will pass on haggis. Colonel Ange, have you ever had haggis? I've did. I've spent uh, the uh, majority of my life trying to avoid it, and successfully so far. Yeah, I think we're going to absolutely <laughs> avoid haggis. Yeah, There's, I don't want yeah. haggis. Yeah, right, no gen- question about it. Gentlemen, yes, Mick. Um, I've been salivating as you was testing and tasting uh, Colonel Angie's delicacy there of the bacon in maple syrup with some cayenne pepper on it. How exotic. Now, to me, that is exotic. Um, I'm pretty much a basic guy. Now, what do you know about sausages? Because they are a staple of the British barbecue. Well, I like sausage. Uh, I do not want a sausage with sheep's heart, liver, or lungs. No, 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 no. Yeah. But, I mean, we call them bangers. Bangers and mash. Th- that's right. And the reason they're called bangers because you put them in the frying pan and they used to explode. So what you would do is you would get a fork and you would, <laughs> you would prick the skin of the sausage there so to allow so that it wouldn't explode. And, you know, I, I know you know uh, a great friend of mine and uh, you've spoken to him in the UK on the radio uh, here, General, especially around about election time, US election time, and that's Duncan Barks. Yes. Now, inspired by you with your passion for cigars over the last 25 years, his passion is sausages. <laughs> and he's got a podcast called Prick with a Fork. <laughs> Prick with a what? <laughs> Prick with a Fork. 
And that's Trick referring the to the sausage. Yeah, and it's basically a podcast about sausages. And I have to say, when I do my barbecue manoeuvres on my own, which is basically very, very basic, it's a tin can, basically with, with charcoal, embers, heat, and then I, I normally start off for my first course, three sausages off the grill. Oh, the taste. Oh, it, it's, just, uh, it's just wonderful to taste for me. And then, obviously, I go on to my next course, which may be a piece of chicken or a steak or a chop, but... Yeah, I, and that and that's how I do it, along with some libations and obviously a couple of good cigars. Colonel Ange, we love Salem's hot dogs made in Buffalo. Correct. And they're now available in Florida and the Carolinas. They've expanded. So any of you listening to Bold Alpha in the Carolinas, in Florida, Georgia, I think Publix is carrying them in all their stores in the southeast. They use a natural casing. And one of the things the great ways to grill those hot dogs is you take a fork you gave me one of those little not little a big fork for the grill that ted's hot dogs uses here in buffalo and you actually same thing you you stab the the casing to allow the cooking so it doesn't explode and it is delicious well done on the grill you can't go wrong yeah you want the steam to get out of there right you don't want it to crack excuse me wide open and yeah you got to use the fork now our buddy butcher dave for many years was at a boutique upscale supermarket in the southern region of Buffalo, one of the southern suburbs, Orchard Park, a place called Orchard Fresh. And he would create unique sausage every day. He had, what, like 10 varieties? Oh, at least. It depend on the day and what he could get his hands on, but at least that. Yeah. And what would he make? What, what, what kind of varieties? Well, he'd always have the standards. He'd do the Italian sausage, and he'd do Polish. He'd do kielbasa. But he would also take and, uh, you know, put things together, like lamb sausages. Right. Uh, he would do uh, Spanish sausages. He'd do chorizo, uh, andouille. I mean, oh, love andouille. Nice I, and spicy. Yeah, no, he... Uh, he had one with apple, too, that he did. Yeah, he did. That's right, he did. I haven't, you know, and again, now that, that whole operation is gone. gone. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I miss all that. Uh, but it is, um, he's uh, very, uh, he's very adept at that. In fact, I've just, right now I've got uh, a pork butt in the refrigerator that I've, uh, I took and I uh, took part of it and made a, um, some gabagool. Gabagool I from the Sopranos. I have some gabagool. Some gabagool. <laughs> Made my own gabagool. I dried and did it. I took the copa off of that uh, off of that pork shoulder, but the rest of what's it. The, I, what's the copa? The copa is the part of the shoulder that's closest to the neck, and that's what they use to make capicola. Okay. So there's your your word, your capicola. Right? Okay. It's the cola, and uh, the rest of it is in there, and I'm going to make uh, some Italian sausage with that. And what is gabagool? Gabagool is capicola. Okay? Capicola. Yeah, it's it's pork. It's spiced. Uh, I made my own. You take it and you spice it. There's garlic. There's uh, there's uh, paprika. That's one of the biggest things that do it. That's what makes it a little bit spicy. There's a little bit of cayenne. In fact, before you leave, we'll open it up. I've got it uh, it's finished dry aging. I was saving it to open up and we'll put it on the slicer and give you a couple of pieces. All right. When we come back, I want to talk about the fact that, Colonel Lange, you've gotten into these dry-aged meats. Yeah. Yes, I have. It's very unique. And it's funny, when I think of Gabagool, I think of The Sopranos. There was an episode <laughs> where Tony comes in. I'm not sure if he was coming home or maybe, remember they were at uh, their little, I think it was behind Bada Bing, their little, uh, there's the, the 
I, I think the best way to the creative dance studio that they own. Yes, the creative dance yes. studio <laughs> that, that they own. And they had a little area in back, and somebody was always in an apron cooking something on the stove. That's right. There was always somebody cooking, no matter what. <laughs> They'd have a big powwow who they're going to whack next. Somebody, Polly Walnuts or Big Pussy, would always be on the stove cooking something. That's right. Even when these guys are in jail, they are always cooking, <laughs> cooking something, something, okay? Sure. And I'll never forget. I, I can't remember. Maybe it was when he came home. And, uh, his wife had Carmela had some things out, and she was getting ready to put it in the refrigerator. And he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna have some fucking gabagool." And he takes the gabagool. She's like, "Tony, it's for later. Don't touch it now." He goes, "Hey, I'm hungry. I want some fucking gabagool." And then always same thing behind Bada Bing. All these guys, they'd have gabagool. They'd be making the gravy. They'd always be cooking something. Got to have that. That's just part of the, that's part of the life. The mobsters go in the joint. They got a kitchen. <laughs> I mean, it's like part of the deal. Every single mo- oh, you know, I remember the movie. It was uh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Remember Goodfellas? Yes, of they're course. in the, they're in the can. And what's his name? Um, is, Polly. Po- uh, no, what was his name? Um, uh, the actor. In, wait, I got to look. Sorvino. Paul Sorvino. Yes. He, he's taking a little razor, razor blade, blade and he's cooking the, the garlic. Cutting the garlic. Cutting the garlic. So yeah. it melts. Right. They're in their prison attire. Exactly. And they're all cooking. And, right. I'm th- and then I'll never forget one of the guards brings him in like 10 pounds of pork. And he's like, hey, thanks. Hey, you know, like they had their own. Everything was always, always taken care of. But it was hysterical because they're always cooking. They're always cooking. And, and, and you notice there are in, in all those movies and all of the Sopranos and everything else, there's always a guy. In the there's God, a guy. You're called a guy. you call called a guy. And the Godfather, remember? The he's, guy. He's talking about Michael. Michael's going to go and he's on the phone with his girlfriend and he's making the sauce because right. everybody's taking the, the mattresses. That's right. That's making, it. Making the sauce. Making the sauce. All right. So hold on because I want to talk about creating dried meat as Bold Alpha continues. Camacho has one of the most unique portfolios of cigars. Their slogan is Live Loud. Cigars with loads of flavor, loads of taste, incredible complexity. And the brand new Camacho Nicaragua fits in perfectly to the Camacho portfolio. Forged in fire. Forged in volcanic soil. Beautifully rolled. The new Camacho Nicaragua features full frontal flavor. Subtle sweetness. Spiciness. Oaky flavors, three beautiful sizes, a Robusto, a Toro, and a Grand Churchill. Uses an Ecuadorian wrapper, Honduran binder, three filler blend from Nicaragua, Honduras, and the Dominican Republic. What you get with Camacho Nicaragua is a spicy, earthy, robust tasting cigar. On a scale of 1 to 10, I would say this is a 7. It's medium plus, medium, medium plus, slightly full, but it is a beautiful cigar to add to your repertoire. The Camacho Nicaragua, available now on retailers or at DavidoffGeneva.com. Colonel Ange, we talked about dried meat. Now, this is something you started since the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus lockdown. Correct. That was not in your repertoire, your portfolio prior. Nope. How, what what trends, what was the motivation to start creating your own dried meats? Extra time on my hands okay. and my hobby. You know, I don't eat stamps, so I figured let's try something different. So, yeah, I did. I uh, spent a little time, did some research, got a book or two on the charcuterie. And uh, I started with, uh, actually I started simple. The easiest thing that you can uh, dry age is a pork tenderloin or even a pork loin. In fact, I've got a pork loin too. It's, but for that, 
that's uh, uh, a Cuban concoction. And it's something that's really good to put on Cuban sandwiches. I have one that's called the Lomo, L-O-M-O. And it is a, uh, that you have to do a process very similar to the pastrami, where you have to cure it in a brine first and then dry age. Also, uh, of course, you and I have been dry aging steaks for a long, long time. Right. But I've learned that this process, rather than hanging it like my grandfather used to do, he had a pantry back at the house on the corner of Sanilac and Laverac, and you'd go in the pantry and there would be the brujut hanging the from, brujut. The, from the ceiling. Uh, you can do it exactly that way, or uh, there's dry aging bags now, a bag that actually is a little bit different than the sealing bags that you'll use if you're just sealing your food and putting it in the freezer, because it uh, lets uh, the air escape is what you want. That's why it's how you dry age. So I did a, uh, a gabagool. You get a whole pork shoulder. You separate the copa, and you make and uh, that you clean up the fat. And there's garlic, there's herbs, there's uh, paprika. You tie it tight, and then you put it in one of these dry aging bags so that it can breathe. The air goes out, the moisture leaves it, it dries, and you have your own cold cuts. So, yeah, I think it's a, a great way to do it. Uh, again, you, you know the difference between a dry aged steak and what right. it, it's great to take these other cuts of meat and do it. I can uh, put together a uh, something made with uh, with a tenderloin in about two months. The the gabagool is about four months now in the process. Really? Yeah. That long? Yeah. Yeah. What, so when do you take it out? Uh, you actually judge it by weight. You want to make sure that it loses 40% of its uh, weight. So it's a long process. It, yeah, it is. But you know what? Putting it together takes an hour. Then it's got Then you four, just, hands it. of time. That's it. Then it's just the hands of time. It's interesting. Do you remember we were down in Little Havana? We we went to see our good buddy Ernesto Perez Carillo ah, yeah. at El Credito Cigar Factory at the time. And we went for lunch to the Versailles, Cuban restaurant down on Southwest 8th Street. Very famous. The Versailles, a lot of politicians go there. It's a who's who of people that are down there. Big restaurant. And as we walked in, there was a giant, I don't know if it was a veal leg or it was a pork leg. I can't remember what it was, but... It was same thing, charcuterie style, dried, and then they slice it off. Yeah. As soon as you walk in, you see it. Yeah. And uh, so that's going to be the next thing. You got to get like maybe a v- what is it? A lamb leg. I got to get yeah. You know, Not I feel like a lamb leg. I got to get a part of a cow. You got to get a part of a lamb. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm working my way up. I think the next is next is going to be a prosciutto that takes even longer. It's probably about a four to six month. Really? Yeah. But I want to try that. I mean, and it. Again, if you in the old days, you know how this that was done. It was just hung someplace in a dark, right. cool place. Uh, these like a salami, like a salami. Yeah, cat's deli. Yeah, exactly just hang it, right. let it dry, let it dry. Uh, these bags make it easy. It's good to have an extra fridge because one of the things that really makes it difficult to do is if you put it in your regular refrigerator. And keep this in mind if you guys actually have a, a desire to do this. You're opening your fridge uh, every day, what, 20, 30 times, right. 40 times? That's not good Not going to work. No, it's good. You can actually buy one of those little dorm fridges. Yep. Those work great. You want to try and keep that fridge closed as much, much as possible. But honestly, in... You put it together in a few months, you forget about it, and then you come back and it's done. Well, Colonel Ange, I'm looking here at the pooch pit. You've got ex- excess room to build a special <laughs> charcuterie yeah. studio, yeah. a kitchen. where Because think about this. You wait the six months, it comes out, and then you finish it in like a week. Yeah. So then you got to go through 
wait six months. So this way, what I say is every week you need to put a new piece of meat in there to keep a consistent supply. And I think uh, I think you got plenty of room here, Colonel. Yeah, I think I, we should do. Just uh, maybe take and put an addition at the back of the house. And I'm sure I think I think Mrs. Rita Pooch would have no problem. Mrs. Colonel Ange would be thrilled. Yeah, yeah. I just have to tell her that it had something to do with making the dog happy, and she would be fine with it. Well, tell her you're making haggis. You don't <laughs> want it in the main house, and she'll say, "Good, build whatever you need. Just don't bring it in here. No haggis." Yeah, she'd hire somebody to keep the haggis out of the house. Honestly, I think it's a, a great little hobby. You can do it at home. It doesn't take much. Honestly, your investment in this is a uh, the dry aging bags and a uh, vacuum sealer. You're less than a hundred bucks into it, and then it's just the meat that you buy and the time that you take. So you know what? It's fun, it, and it really makes a difference. Your own cold cuts, your own gabagool. You gotta have your own gabagool. Yeah, so yeah. if you're ever thrown in a joint, you got a supply. You're ready to go in the big house. You got your supply. That's right. I can take the gabagool, stick it in my pants, and I'm done. Exactly. What's that in your pants? A gabagool? What, what's going on here? That's right. But I, I tell you, the Sopranos. It's like it's amazing the amount. Like I never knew what gabagool was, and then I see the Sopranos. So I got. I said, "Gabagool, what the hell is that?" So I look it up on the internet. Okay, yeah. Gabagool, and I'll never forget. She'd say, uh, Carmela one time said, "I've got Father Joe, whatever his name was. Father so and so is coming over. I'm making a mescaline salad." So I called Cigar Mother. I go, "What's mescaline?" That's right. She said, "It's kind of like a you know like a type of lettuce." So I looked it up. It looked like weeds. It does. Mescaline salad. Mescaline, but salad. very fancy. Like all think of the. The culture and all the new knowledge that you gain by watching this. And that was a great series. I, I The best. It. Yes. That was the best. That would have been the type of series that would be great on Netflix, mm-hmm. where you could binge watch all the episodes. You know, what I like to do is, like, uh, there's uh, uh, um, Breaking Bad, and I watched it when it was already finished. Same thing with, uh, what was the one with the, uh, the um, motorcycle gang? Um Sons of Anarchy. Sons Thank of you. Anarchy. Thank you, Sergeant Steve. Sarge, right. And I remember people saying, you got to watch it. Uh, Lieutenant Gary and uh, Mrs. Harrimer of One Gina said, you got to watch it. you got to watch it. It's great. So one time I'm like, okay, the series is done. There's like, you know, what, seven years worth? I'm like, I'll watch it. I couldn't stop. Yeah. It was like I would watch it nonstop. Like, okay, today I'm going to watch three episodes. Tomorrow I'm going to watch it. Saturday I'm going to watch six episodes. It, it was addicting. So Better Call Saul, I'm waiting until the final season, then I'm going to watch them all. But The Sopranos, I actually want to go back now. I think it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Uh, HBO. Is it on HBO yeah, on yeah. demand? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to do that. I want to go back and watch every episode. And it's hard to believe. I think that was like 20 years ago when it started. Uh, yeah, it was about 20 years ago. In fact, I did what you just you just said. I went back about four months ago or six months ago, and I started from scratch and watched every one of them. And I'm telling you something. If you ever had the opportunity to fly back in time and to sit at my grandfather's table on the corner of Sanilac and Laverack on any given day, you pretty much had all of that except the whacking part because all the rest was the same, every bit of it. The series, The Sopranos was on from, there were six seasons from 1999, I think, to 2007 because there was a, a delay of almost a year between, I think, the fifth and sixth season. So, but I remember every Sunday night watching yeah. it, getting ready. Oh, nine o'clock, gotta watch The Sopranos. And that was, you know, really before there was binge watching or anything else. So you'd have to watch it. And when you when you got into it, it was just, it was great. And here's a true story. Remember Big Pussy? Oh, of course. Okay. Uh, Cigar I'm, guy. Ex- <laughs> there's a story there. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. I can't remember Big Pussy Sopranos. I, I got a great picture of him in uh, Exo Tim. 
Yeah, I want to get uh, Sal Big Pussy Bonpensiero, mm-hmm. Vincent Pastor, Vinny Pastor. So he came out with a cigar in conjunction with Altadis, Consolidated Cigar Altadis. And so we go up to New York. Jim Colucci, who is the VP of Sales and Marketing, said, okay, we're doing this cigar. We're going to launch it at JR's in New Jersey. So we want to do a live show. Great. So we go to New York Thursday afternoon. Thursday night, we have, uh, we have I think, cocktails with Vinnie Pastor. Then Friday night, we're going out to dinner. And I can't remember where we went. Patsy's, whatever it was. And honest to God, the guy thought he was a real live gangster. <laughs> so the, the, the waiter comes in and says, uh, yeah, can I get any appetizer? He goes, yeah, whatever the fuck you got, we'll take. <laughs> All right. And then, and then, you know, like, would you, any of you want desserts? Yeah, we'll take five fucking cannellonis. We'll take six fucking spumonis. And we'll take uh, two of this. It was like living. I mean, the guy thought he was like really, you know, in the mob. So I'll never forget, we're in a car. We have a car service taking us back to the Essex Hotel in on Central Park uh, South. He's in the car with us. And some cab driver ahead of us was blocking the street or whatever. He gets out of the car and whacks the guy. He, like, he goes, move the fuck out of here. And like gives him a, takes his fist. And I'm thinking, this guy really thinks he's in the Sopranos. Next thing you know, the cab driver moves and we're on our way. And then on Saturday, we do the live show. And... I remember telling him, listen, you know, we're on live radio, so just remember, you got to watch it. You know, we have a seven-second delay at the time, but I said, you got to be, you know, yeah, no problem, no problem, no problem. Well, we start talking about something, and I can't remember what it was. He starts launching. He goes, let me tell you, that fucking, that fucking this and this fucking son of a bitch. I mean, my producer back in Tampa is hitting the thing every, like, nonstop. We must have had about a one-minute delay of dead air because he just kept hitting it nonstop. And I remember saying, this guy thinks he's really in the mob. He was, he's a character. He really is. I didn't spend as much time with him as XO Tim did, but honest to God, you're right. He really thought he was there. Yeah. And then, and then he, he was in some other movies and that was it. When you think of some of the other guys that were in, you know, some of the other cast, um, I'm trying to think the guy that played Paulie Walnuts. Yeah, He passed. Yeah, you remember he had that gray. Oh yeah, that, the gray on the sides. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And uh, let's see, I'm just looking. So you had, uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't see. Oh, Paulie Galtieri. Galtieri. That was his real name, Paulie Galtieri. Always taking care of his mom at the nursing home. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Driving his El Dorado. That's right. And I'll never forget. I'm trying to remember. He had his El Dorado parked. There was one episode where a guy was cutting a tree. He got pissed off, and I don't know if he took the gun out and whacked them or I, something or other. But it was such a great series. Mick, did you ever watch The Sopranos? Oh, absolutely, General. Yeah. Now, did they, and, did they uh, translate it in British to say, "Hello, I'm going to, I'm going to whack that." No. <laughs> hey, come on, come on. What are you, what are you talking about? Come on. No, uh, they did not do that. But yeah, it was, it was brilliant and um, captivating. And when it was on terrestrial television, as opposed to being able to watch it on the, uh, you know, streaming it and, and binging it as a box set. And I've got the complete DVD set of it. Yeah, you. If you watched it on regular television where it was censored, yeah. there's no way you get the same effect. There's oh, no not way now, because no. you had to get into the way they spoke, just their normal, you know, routine. You couldn't get the true sense with all the censoring that had to take place. There's no way. Now I did feel this way. I thought the last episode was so disappointing. You know, uh, yeah. where all of a sudden. Tony comes in and you think he's going to get whacked because you, know, you see a car, you think something's going to happen, he's going to get whacked inside that diner, 
And then he's sitting there, and then Carmela and his daughter comes in, and I think his son, AJ, as well. And he says, yeah. this is how he ends it. I ordered onion rings for the fucking table. And that was it. And I thought it yeah, was but, disappointing. But, and I but, think they thought, well, maybe we'll do a movie so we'll keep it open-ended because we could do a two-hour movie, and that never took place. And then, of course, um, uh, uh, the, the, I'm trying to remember uh, the, the real name of the guy that played Tony Soprano. It was... Uh, oh, yeah, um, James Gandolfini. He yes. passed away in Italy Blessing. on vacation, yeah. and yep. he was sure. relatively young when he passed away. I'm trying to 50 look. Fifty some. Yeah, he was, uh, and he always looked older than he was. But I'm trying yeah. to think here. What is it? Uh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Tony. Oh no, it's Scott Soprano. Wait a minute. Wait. I want James Gandolfini. Hold on a second. Let's see. Let's see. He was 51 when he died, and when you oh. watch him, in the, I mean, I thought he was in his late, mid to late 50s at least in the show. Yes. I mean, that blows me away that he was only 51 when he passed away. I think he had a heart attack. Um, yes, he had a yeah. heart attack. On vacation yeah. with his new bride. Yeah, that's uh, that's just crazy. I mean, and you never thought he was 51. And he was in another movie, a military movie. Oh, he was. Red, uh, I mean, he, Red, yeah, wait a minute, was me... it with, with Denzel Washington when he was on the with um, Gene Hackman, when Gene Hackman was the... Uh, the captain of a, a submarine, and um, it was a nuclear submarine. No, 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 he wasn't, no, I don't believe he was in that movie. I don't think so. He was? I'm trying to remember. Wait a minute. Oh, okay, another one. He was in one. Zero Dark Thirty. That, I think I remember that one, but it was one of the other movies or series that he was in, and he played a military guy, but it was so weird to see him in the non-Tony Soprano role. Yeah. Yep. To me, he was yeah. like Tony Soprano. And the amazing thing is women wanted, I'll never forget, I'm out with some some women and just some friends and you know someone's saying there was some guy that walked in and she's like oh my god he looks just like Tony Soprano and one of the girls said yeah that is so hot like Tony Soprano and I said well what is it about Tony Soprano and I'll tell you what she said she said it wasn't the look it was the attitude Mm -hmm. the fact that big balls ran the show you know and, and I loved on the Sopranos that Friday night was date night Okay, with all their gumas. gumas. And then Saturday was with their wives. And they'd always go to the same restaurant. And the owner would come over on Friday night and say, hey, it's great to see you all. I made Tony, I made a special veal scallopini for you to to start. You know, oh, yeah, thanks, thanks. Right. And then Saturday, they'd come in with the wives. And the owner would come in and say, Tony, it's been so long. I haven't seen you in ages. (laughs) I made a special veal scallopini for you to start. Thanks. thanks." That's how it was. It's a beautiful thing. The gumas and the gumads. Hey, listen, you got to have the gumar. Gumar, I think, is what is. It's a mistress. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it was hysterical because they'd all have the wives and then they'd all have the mistresses. And Colonel Ange, we know that your guma is your grills. That's exactly right. I had my choice. I wanted, I said to my bride many, many years ago, uh, can I have a mistress? She said no. So now I got grills. You got grills. That's it. There you go. It's and you know what? Cost you less. Uh, yeah. They don't nag. There's no noosing. There's no nag zone. They're very forthcoming. They're very forthcoming <laughs> and they deliver on a regular basis for Without you. Without an argument. Exactly <laughs> right. And you don't have to buy them jewelry or fur coats. No, and I'd always love it. They'd always go to the whenever they go into a jewelry store, they'd always get two of the same thing. I need two tennis bracelets. They go in the 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 the, uh, the fur coat store. You know the furrier. I need two of the same fur coats. Right. One in a size two, and for the wife a size eight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll wrap it up right around the corner. Of this edition of Bold Alpha, one of the premier cigar manufacturers, cigar blenders, cigar tobacco growers, AJ Fernandez, based in Nicaragua, has farms all over the country. 
Magnificent Factory produces excellent cigars. Huge portfolio. One of the brands that he released, the New World Oscuro by A.J. Fernandez, a full-flavored powerhouse. It is a beast of a cigar. Beast in a good way, meaning you're going to get a lot of flavor, a lot of zestiness, a lot of richness, a ton of spice, dark Nicaraguan Oscuro wrapper, Jalapa binder, the filler from three regions in Nicaragua, Condega, Esteli, and Ometepe. What's special about Ometepe? It's a volcanic island. There was a volcano right on the island, and consequently the lava that flowed out of that, uh, that, that, that area, that volcano, yielded incredible richness to the soil. Great natural fertilizer, and it produces an incredible taste. So if you're looking for a cigar that is loaded with richness, loaded with spice, loaded with flavor, that's box-pressed, the New World Oscuro by A.J. Fernandez. You can't go wrong. And in fact, it also comes in a Connecticut and a Cameroon. And the Cameroon New World is the Cigar Dave Officers Club selection for August. So all members will be receiving three fantastic New World Cameroons. Very difficult wrapper to work with. Very tough wrapper to obtain, but it yields an incredible taste. So if you're looking for a medium-flavored cigar with some nice spiciness, sweetness, the New World Cameroon, if you want a full-flavored box-press powerhouse, the New World Oscuro by A.J. Fernandez, ajfcigars.com. Make the Brit from the European Theater of Operations, Colonel Ange here in the Western New York Theater of Operations. We're out at the Pooch Pit, and uh, Colonel Ange, I've got to tell you, between the John Meyer Wheat Whiskey, between your Colonel Ange special candied maple bacon, as our good friendly Corsa would say, life and the weather, life is good. Life is great today, General, absolutely. 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 No question about it. Now, Mick, where you are is uh, is evening already. Mm-hmm. So what is on the what is on the menu for your dining culinary enjoyment tonight? That's a very interesting question. And don't tell me haggis. No, no, no. I haven't decided yet, to be honest with you. Um, It could be anything. Um, Possibly, possibly. Some uh, chicken, breast of chicken, some chopped up peppers, chopped up onions, and some curry cooking sauce. Some curry cooking sauce. Slow cooked for an hour. Very nice. Mm. Very nice, Mick. How are the uh, how are the steak cuts? The meat quality over in the UK, like leather, like leather. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's yeah. why whenever you come to the US of yeah. A, you're always enjoying massive oh, amounts of steak. Sure. Absolutely, we get spoiled, yeah. Colonel Ange. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. No, yes, look, General. Uh, of course, uh, uh, it's everywhere here. We don't have to worry about great, it. great cuts, great prices. Yep. Whether it's Costco, yeah. prime meat. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can get uh, New York strip steak there. I think for. Eleven ninety nine a pound for prime, which is unbelievable. There's a store here in in the Western New York Theater of Operations, Dashes, that has I think three or four locations. Phenomenal butcher counter, and I think you're seeing now a renaissance. For a while, people weren't eating meat; they are now in big quantities. And let's face it, when the CCP Wuhan virus lockdown occurred, there were some meat shortages. There were actually, I remember at Publix in Florida, they were limiting the amount of meat, and people were making a mad rush on meat. Luckily. It lasted very short. It was about a two-week period, and we got back to normal. But America runs on meat, Colonel Lange. There's no question about it. That's the fuel that Americans need in the tank. Tofu doesn't cut it. It's what's for dinner. It's what's for dinner. But, uh, Mick, you guys don't get great meat, so what do you what do you have to do? Well, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I mean, look, Angus steak is always is good, and... Um, what do you, what do you pay a pound? So, Angus steak, what do you oh. get? Like a strip steak? You get ribeye? What do you yeah. get over there? 
I tend to go to like like you would say a Costco or or, or whatever. And, All right. So uh, what what what's, what are the prices over in in the UK right now for for a ribeye, say a pound? General, if you have to ask the price, then you can't afford it. So oh, please, Mick, cut the bullshit. <laughs> That's Just what give they me the say. Amount. No, 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 no. I, I, I can't. No, whatever they say, I pay. I want. I it, understand that, I'll but I'm just it. for comparison purposes, Mick. Don't make me court martial you, Mick. General, I'm not asking for a court martial here. Can I get back to you on this one, please? Oh, so you, the answer is you don't know. Ah, that's correct. the real answer, Mick. Uh-huh. Yes, General. Well, here, let me give you a little pointer. Say, I'm not sure, General. That would be far better than saying, "Ooh, if you can't, if you have to ask, you can't afford it." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't give me that bull. You didn't know, which General. means, which leads me to believe me, Mick. You're not buying a lot of meat over in the UK. Otherwise, you would know. Well, yeah, but I'm not, you know, not counting the pennies. But let me just tell you this: Rolls Royce. Now you're familiar then with avia- a- aviation engines. Yes, and well, I'm familiar with the with make- the vehicle too. Yes, and the vehicle as well. Well, they they had their showroom there in central London, but there was never a price sticker on it. And if anyone dared to ask how much it was, then the salesman would say, "Sir, if you have to ask the price, then you can't afford it." You know what? That's a load of horseshit. I don't care how wealthy you are. People still want to know the price. Now, if somebody comes in and says, uh, how many miles per gallon does that Rolls Royce get? Then the answer is you're barking up the wrong tree. Nobody cares about miles per gallon. But when you're talking about a car that's 250 U.S. dollars, 250,000 to 400,000, people still want to know the price. But I've never walked into a showroom or seen people walk into a Rolls Royce or Bentley showroom saying, yeah, that's 300000 but how many miles per gallon does it get on the, on the open road? I need to know that. Oh, it only gets 13. Jeez, yeah, my yeah, fuel costs right. are going to be a little bit more than I wanted. Nobody asks that, but people ask the price. Yeah. No doubt about it. Well, just, All right, just, let's just uh, saying. Yeah, okay, so Mick, here's your homework assignment for the next time we decide to bring you in, which as of right now may not be until 2025. Okay. But, but Mick, your homework assignment, yeah. next time we yes, have sir. you on... I want to know the price per pound of mm-hmm. ribeye, strip mm-hmm. steak, and filet. That's a good rib, indicator. Rib, strip, and filet. Okay. Rib, General, strip, Roger that. and filet. Yes. Roger that. I, I think you can probably find – you don't have Costco there, do you? Uh, yeah, I think we do. Do they? Yeah. I don't think so. I think so, so yeah. No, yeah. you don't have Costco in Europe. Um, I think Again, Mick. Do. Mick, you got to be prepared. Wait a minute, Costco Europe. Hold on. Let's see if they do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a Bing search here. Let's see. Shall we? They do. They do. Oh. Yes. Well-established presence in the United Kingdom with 28 stores from the Channel Coast to Northern Scotland. There's got to be one in uh, jolly old uh, London town. Uh, I'm going to look right now and see if I find anything. Wait a minute. Let's see. Let's see if we see. Mick, you should know this. I mean, you should uh, know exactly where Costco is. All right, Mick, do you know where that is? Sergeant Steve, say it one more time. Shadbolt Avenue. Shadbolt Avenue. <laughs> Off Harbert Road. Off Harbert Road. Do you know where that is, Mick? No, Mick. Was it Mick, Shadbolt? are you even British or are you just using a fake accent? Because you don't seem to know anything about Britain. I think Britain. he's in Wisconsin. I mean, geez, I'm not Mick. in Wisconsin. I'm, I'm right here in London. Now, well, you've just you said, mentioned- oh, you betcha. Then we know he's in Wisconsin. <laughs> Right, all right, yeah, so all right, oh, yeah. they opened a store in Wembley, just northwest of Central. There London. you go. That's where I've seen it on the North Circular, which is a, a, a road. Uh, there's the North and South Circular. It's a, a circular road that uh, goes around uh, Central London. 
All right, uh, Mick, you so call? your job yeah. is to go yeah. get a complimentary one-day membership at Costco. <laughs> and we would like to, I want to get your entire, see if they have meat, see what they have. We want a full report yeah. on the next time All we right. bring you on as a guest. Which, as I say, mm-hmm. right now is very sporty, as you say. Very sporty. Y- Yes, indeed, General. Uh, yeah, not a problem, General. I'll all right, do that. Mick, all, all the best. Enjoy Thank your you, uh, chicken dish tonight. Uh, and by the way, what do you Thank pay you. for chicken a pound? I don't know, and I don't care. I just pay whatever they say. Now, Mick, everybody knows roughly what chicken or... I mean, like, I, I go in and I know that if I buy two large chicken breasts, it's about seven bucks. You know, with the rib meat and with the skin. And that's how I like to grill it. So you don't even know what it is, Mick? No, I, I couldn't even Mick, see what the price of. Are a you loaf literate? Of bread is. Do you know how to read, Mick? Do you know <laughs> yes, how to read? Yes, thank you very much, General. Yes, yes. Okay, I was just checking. I was just checking. Uh, you okay. want to buy some land? Yes, Mick. Mick, I <laughs> yeah, got oh, a yeah. You got some swamp land in Florida, London. General. <laughs> no, I got a wonderful Mick. I've got yeah. grade A prime quality develop developable land in the Everglades. It's a little bit marshy, but don't worry yeah. about it. And it's only a hundred grand an acre. It's a steal, Mick. How many acres would you like? I'll take five at that price. You, <laughs> five, I will make that happen. Believe me, I can make that happen. <laughs> all right, Mick the Brit, all the best, my friend. And Colonel Ann, many you, thanks. Yes, as always, Bold Alpha, where we enjoy alpha male lifestyle conversational maneuvers and bold alpha commentary, unabashed commentary. It is Alpha Dave, the general alpha male in chief, front and center today from the Western New York Theater of Operations, the Pooch Pit. Colonel Ange, let's go try some of that charcuterie. What do you say? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do it. Slice it up. 